0: Today's message was brought to you by the gifts and love offerings of the people of Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. Pastor Jason Swanson is our senior pastor here at RBC, and this message was recorded during our regular Sunday morning service times. Pastor Jason is currently in a series he's calling a walk through the book of Acts, Jesus at Work. In this part 53 of Pastor Jason's walk through the book of Acts, Jason today talks about a unique salvation. Let's join Jason now in the sermon entitled, A Salvation Story. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 16, verses 11 through 15. Here's Jason.
1: Again, uh, welcome. Welcome to Rancho Baptist Church. I am excited to be back here preaching the Word once again. We had a wonderful weekend last weekend, and and any of you men that, that were blessed to come and join that weekend with us... Um, yeah, you can proclaim the goodness of our Lord to us with the wonderful time that, that we were able to to spend with Pastor Harry and his Word and, and Proverbs. And I would encourage you, all you men that were not able to make it this last weekend, to to put that on your schedule for next year. It, it was such an encouraging and wonderful time as men to gather together and to spend time in His Word, and uh, spend some time having some fun with such things as uh, frisbee football, ultimate frisbee. And, and praise the Lord, I guess there's a past history that many men get hurt whenever we do ultimate frisbee. And even though Howie almost took me out and rolled over me, I, I, I made it through alive. This morning... <laughs> We are going to be opening God's Word once again to the book of Acts. It is our practice to go verse by verse through books of the Bible. And we have been going through the book of Acts for over a year now. And this morning we find ourselves at a... I believe a very encouraging part of Acts chapter 16 as we will see this a salvation story. I could have entitled this her salvation story because this is about one particular woman and when the Lord saves her. And as I considered her story and the story of Lydia, my mind kept coming back to this this precious woman And 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 you'll you'll have to forgive me for the picture. This this was, I believe, our our very beginning years in Papua New Guinea as missionaries. And and this woman's name is Oei, and 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 she stood. It seemed to me shorter than four feet tall. She's she's just this this little thing, and she's not the kind of woman. In fact, most of the women in our village in Siawi and Papua New Guinea, they are not the kind to to speak up and to say anything. But on, on, on this particular day, as we, we gathered together, and as we were going through the book of Genesis, we were taking them back, we were going through our evangelistic Bible lessons. Sharing Christ for the very first time with these people who had not heard of Christ. And so we took them to Genesis at the, from the beginning. And we traced for them the, the wonderful, masterful plan of God and sending the Savior, and sending the Redeemer. And, and as we did that, we took them back to Genesis, and we talked about how God had made everything, and, and, and that went against some of their old belief systems. And then we got to Adam, and we got to how God had formed him from the very ground, and breathed life into him. But that wasn't the end of the story, right? Then God takes him, and He, and he places him in the garden. And and then he He brings animals to Him. And he is given the task to name those animals. And as we taught the people in the village of Siawi and, and Oei in particular, as we taught that, we taught too that, that as Adam was naming all these animals, what did he find? He, he found that there was there, there, they, they were coming to him in two and two and two, and, and they each had a, had a partner. They had a companion. And as he looked at this, he he saw that he was wanting, that he was lacking. For there was no suitable companion for him. And and that was all the backdrop that God was giving him, Adam, a, a, a picture. A lesson in what God was about to do for him, right? And so then what does God do? God causes him to go to sleep. And and as he sleeps, what does he do? He grabs one of his ribs. And from that rib, he he forms Eve. And then in this beautiful picture of marriage, right? He brings Eve. He presents her to him. And he gives her to him. And what does he say? He says, oh, bless you, Lord. Why, for you have given me what is from me. woe man, part of me. And the blessing that, that is that in marriage. And that before this time, he he was not complete in in a certain sense, right? And as God had created Adam in the image of God, God created Eve in the image of God as well. And as that, she is what? She has value. In essence, she is exactly the same as Adam. And, And I can remember vividly, as i was teaching this ero ero god made you in the very image of himself you not you guys aren't down here like the dirt you guys are prized you guys are his possessions and and, and this woman And I don't remember women standing up and saying anything in the beginning days in teaching. And and at that time, all the women stayed in the front of the church and all the men were in the back. And and OEI was was sitting right about here. She stands up and she goes, wait a minute. So what you're saying is, is that I matter. What you're saying is, is, I'm not down here. I'm not less than the dogs. What you're saying is, that God sees me as something of worth. And I said, yes, exactly. That is what God's word is saying. That is how God has created you. And and praise the Lord. That that was the first step on, on, on OEI's road to salvation. In, in her salvation story. And later on she was able to hear that Jesus came and lived a perfect life and died upon the cross for her and she trusted in Christ for her salvation and, and and she is a sister that we will spend all of eternity with because she has already passed on she is now with the lord in heaven and and, and what's the point i believe the point is, is is that salvation is such a wonderful thing for all of us but in particular for for these wonderful ladies in Seattle, so we turn with me to Acts chapter 16. As we will see another salvation story of a woman, of a woman who matters to God. And in this, I believe because of where this takes place, because of the emphasis that Luke is placing upon her, that, that we are to understand that women are to be a, a part of church, Right? That they're not to be downgraded in society by any stretch of the imagination. And we will see that this morning. Re- remember the context here. We-, we just saw that the Apostle Paul and that his missionary team were trying as desperately as they could to go every other direction except for where they are now heading. Right? They, they wanted to go west and the Holy Spirit said no. They wanted to go north, the Holy Spirit said no. Where you are supposed to go is just keep going straight when they get to Troas, then he has this vision. Hey, go to Macedonia. Go to Greece. I want you to go to Europe. And it was a man from Macedonia. That was the vision. But what we are going to see, that we're going to see that the first one saved is a woman. I believe that's significant. So, Acts chapter 16. And the wonderful story how Salvation came to, to Lydia. We're only looking at five verses this morning. Acts chapter 16, 11 to 15. So putting out to sea from Troas, from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace. And on the day following to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony, and we were staying in this city for some days. And on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to a riverside where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer and we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household had been baptized... She urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do. We rejoice in the salvation that You have freely given that cost You so much. We pray this morning that You would fill us up with that joy. That as we look at the the life, the story, Of Lydia, that we would see our story, that we would see our life in hers, that you would guide our time now, that you would allow your Holy Spirit to be the one that guides us this morning. For it's in the matchless name of Jesus Christ that we pray, amen. What a wonderful account of God's grace, right? What we are going to see this morning is how God is working all these things together in order to get Paul and and this entire missionary team right here in Philippi. Right here in in, in this place that that Lydia is going to be staying at. And in this, what we're going to see is we're going to see it her salvation story. And and as you look at this and as you hear this this morning, maybe as I talk about a salvation story and about salvation coming to her, you have no idea what I'm talking about. If that is the case, please listen and I invite you to enter into the story of Lydia. And see that as the Lord was guiding, leading and directing all of these things in order for her to come to know Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior, that perhaps that is the reason why you were here this morning. That you likewise will be saved this morning. And, and, and for those of us that already have a salvation story, I, I invite you to come and, and to see yourself in these verses. To see how the Lord is engaged in saving us. And what He does in order to save us. The, the outline this morning, it's, it's, it's very simple. We're, we're going to see that the Lord is doing something. He's moving. And in order for someone to, to be saved, they need to be where the Lord wants them to be so that His message of the Gospel, the what, they need to understand to be saved, needs to be proclaimed to them. So we're going to go from the where to the what to the who. Who is the one that, that, that is involved in salvation? And we are going to see that it is the Lord God. It is the Lord Jesus Christ that is orchestrating all of what is going on in the life of Lydia as well as in the life of Paul and the missionaries. So first, let, let's see verse verses 11 and 12 as, as we see this, the where. And We have to remember where they are coming from because Paul what we saw at the beginning of chapter 16, Paul wanted to go to Ephesus. He wanted to go to a whole different place. He wanted to stay in Asia. And yet the Lord is saying, no, I want you to go to Europe. And as they're heading to Europe, remember, he's no doubt thinking, hey, I'm going to see a man, a man from Macedonia, and that's who I'm going to proclaim the gospel to. And yet what he is going to have is a a missed expectation. Because the way things pan out is not the way that he thinks things are going to go. And that is so telling and so encouraging for us. So look at verses 11 and 12 as as we see first the where. Where the Lord is leading them in order to proclaim the what to Lydia in order for her to understand who the God of the Bible is. Who her Savior is. The who. So putting out to sea from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace and, and on the day following to Neapolis. And from there to Philippi which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony, and we were staying in this city for some days. Listen, where you are at matters, does it not? For generations upon generations, that the people group, the picture of OEI that I showed you, where they, where they were at mattered. Why? Because they were outside the Gospel witness. They had never heard of Jesus Christ before. And so what did the Lord do? The Lord sent missionaries to them. And what we are going to see that in this the where matters and and instead of sending missionaries to Thyatira, which is where Lydia is from, we're going to see that the Lord sends missionaries to Philippi and He actually sends her from Thyatira to Philippi in order for their paths to cross. In order for her to hear the Gospel. And so on both accounts we see that, that where the Lord is leading the missionary group, where the Lord is leading you, that matters. And where is He leading them? This, this may just seem like an easy little trip. You get in a boat and you go from point A to point B and, 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 and there that is done. <laughs> that, that, that's all that matters is you go from here to there. You go from Troas to this, place called Neapolis, which then you take a 10 mile hike to Philippi. And yet the reality is it was 150 miles to get from Troas to Neapolis. 150 mile boat journey to go from Asia to Europe. And so in order for, for them to do that, they actually had to do it in chunks, sections. So what they would do first is they would take off from Troas and they would go up to Samothrace. This was an island. And generally, if you could make it in one day, that that was almost incredible. (laughs) Why? Because the winds and everything else are so strong that they wouldn't normally be able to do this trip in two days. But they're able to do this trip in two days. Why? Because the Lord is guiding and leading them. We're going to see in Acts 20 as we come back, and they're going to retrace their steps, That time it's going to take them five days to to get from Europe back to Asia. What is the Lord doing? I believe the Lord is confirming where He is leading them. He's giving them this encouragement. Hey, look, I'm going to handle the winds. I'm going to handle the normal way of the boat going. And I'm going to make this an easy trip for you. And that's exactly what He does. And notice where He is leading them. As they get to Neapolis, which is the place where you would think they would stop and and preach, they don't. They don't stop and preach in Neapolis, which is normally what Paul would do on one of his missionary journeys. Remember, this is his second missionary journey. But instead, they keep going on to Philippi. Why is that? Because he recognized that Philippi was such a large city that it was a much better missionary strategy to stop there to turn that into kind of a base of operations and turn as much of Philippi as he could upside down with the gospel of Christ, and then use Philippi to, to send people out, to reach all these other cities. And the fact that he uses that the Lord guides them to Philippi is significant. Because Philippi was not just your average normal city in, in these days. We we see first it's described as a Roman colony. That meant that it's different than other cities. There's only so many cities that were actually called colonies. And and, and what that meant was that they didn't, they didn't have to pay taxes. And when they were given ground or property, land, they didn't have to give some of it to the government and then keep some of it. It was con- considered all theirs. And the history behind Philippi is also very significant. Because what happens is, is veteran Roman soldiers are sent to Philippi. To further the settle, to settle the city again. And to basically Romanize it. And they're, and they're sent there almost as some, some sort of special reward for them. Which I think is significant because today is Veterans Day. And, and we thank the Lord for all of you veterans, for all of you that have stood on our behalf and protected us in this country, in our country. And, and here, that, that's a little bit of the history behind Philippi. And that's going to be important for us to understand as we continue on through Acts chapter 16. Because what this means is that they were very patriotic towards Rome. Because what these soldiers did, these veteran Roman soldiers, is they came in and they gave the prestige, they gave the language, the custom, the customs, as, as well as the very ambiance of Rome, and they brought that all with them. And so as a result, Philippi is, is very Roman. And in the beginning here where we see Lydia, we don't see that coming to be any kind of problem. But later this will become a problem. So what happens? So, so we see that this group of four, these missionaries, and, and remember, we're, we're talking about Paul, we're talking about Silas, we're talking about Timothy, and then we're also talking about Luke, the author, who, who is now speaking from, from the vantage point of first-person plural. He's saying we, we are going from here to here to here to here. And as they are heading, and as they're taking this ten-mile hike to Philippi, No doubt, what they have to be thinking is, who is this man from Macedonia, right? Paul, what what did he look like? Was he tall? Was he short? Who is this? Look at verse 13. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to a riverside where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer and we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled so we f- see first, okay, now, now they're where the Lord has them. But the, what the Lord wants them to now do is to communicate the what. So they start speaking. But did you notice who they start speaking to? To the women. And did you notice too that, that they, they had this expectation they were supposing that there would be a place of prayer. They were supposing that there would be a synagogue here. But as they get to Philippi, and they go outside the city gates, and they go to where normally a synagogue would be, there is no synagogue. That lets us know that there was there was not a large population of Jews in Philippi at this time. Because in order to have a synagogue, you had to have at least ten men. And so there were not ten Jewish men in Philippi to start a synagogue. And yet, instead of having this mixed, this missed expectation upset them, and depress them, and them saying, "Okay, you know what? Let's just walk away from this. Let's go back. Let's get back on the boat and go back to Troas." Why? Because this is not working out. I thought there was supposed to be a man from Macedonia here that we were going to proclaim the gospel to, and instead there's women. What is going on? Does the Lord really want us to speak to women? Yes, He does. You know what's so significant about this? Is that Paul is a Pharisee. And do you know what Pharisees think about women? About teaching women? They won't. They they wouldn't have taught women by themselves. That's not what a Pharisee did. In fact, as as, as Pharisees even thought about women, they they said, thank the Lord that, that I'm not a woman. That's the way they looked at women. They downgraded them. And, and what, is, what is Paul doing? He's revealing to us the change that has happened in his heart that he now sees. Man, women are important. Women are to be part of Christ's church. So yes, by all means, men, let's proclaim the gospel. And, and notice who's speaking. It's not just Paul. It's all four men are engaging with, with these Ladies. As they are trusting the Lord. Okay, this is who the Lord has for us. And what are they proclaiming? They're proclaiming the what. The what of the gospel. What they need to understand in order to be saved. And isn't it strange how you would think, okay, this has got to be a a bit of a missed expectation. And and yet, instead of getting depressed or turning, they continue to, to point forward. And finally, they're going to get to what we see next happening in in verse 14. Which is the who is involved in the salvation story. You would think, I'm speaking of Lydia, but that is not who I'm speaking of. That the Lord is involved, that He is the one orchestrating everything. That if He does not show up, if the Lord does not show up, it doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter what you've heard, but if the Lord does not open up your heart and allow you to understand, you will not. And we see this in in verse 14 as it goes from this aspect of, of speaking to all the women, to one woman in particular. And that's who we are told about. A woman, verse 14, named Lydia, from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. This is so cool. Why? Because she's from Thyatira. That's back where they were. That's a long ways from Philippi. This doesn't make any sense that she is in Philippi, and yet you know what is going on. The Lord has been guiding her along in, in this entire process. And we can see that in the descriptions that we see in, in verse 14 about Lydia. First, that she is from Thyatira, but she is now staying in Philippi. That's significant. That's significant. Number two, what she does. What, what, what is her occupation? She's a seller of purple fabrics. That's what everyone from Thyatira was known for. So that is where she learned that trade. But instead of staying there, she takes that trade and she now comes to Philippi. And the idea behind purple fabrics is, think money, think rare, think expensive and highly valued. Think the emperor. Because that is who her clients would be. And so she is a wealthy woman. And the Lord is going to use that and her wealth and her willingness to be hospitable to launch Christ's first church in Philippi. Because they are going to meet at her house. But but we see more. We see some spiritual sides to Lydia. As it says that that she was what? A worshiper of God. What does that mean? Does that mean she was saved? No. No. That means that she was following Judaism. That somehow, perhaps back in Thyatira, she met some Jews. And she heard about Yahweh. She heard about the God of the Israelites and she wanted to learn more and more about Him. And as such, when she moved to Philippi, even though there was no synagogue, she's spending time with these Jewish women. Why? Because she wants to learn more and more about God. What has the Lord been doing? The Lord has been preparing her heart. He has been preparing the soil. He has been seeking after her and working all of this to get her to this point. To where these two roads would collide. That she would be where He wants her and and she would be able to hear what He wants her to hear. So that she would understand the who of the Bible. Which is... What we see He is leading her to. And the final thing that we see, and, and don't miss this, that, that not only is she where the Lord wants her, not, not only is He preparing her heart and allowing her to take the first steps towards salvation, but He allows her to be listening. To be listening. That This isn't just hearing. That, that she actually is listening to what is being presented. Do you know many people come and they hear, but they're not listening. Maybe you can relate. I find myself hearing but not listening all the time. Just ask my family. Just the other day we were supposed to go to my mom's house. I guess Shannon told me to, to, to get these muffins and, and take them off the stairs and put them in the car. And we get to my mom's house and she's like, where are the muffins? And I'm like, what muffins? Well, well, honey, you actually said yes when I told you about the muffins. And I'm, oh, really? What I I was hearing, but I wasn't listening. And and what is she doing? She is indeed listening. She has a hungry heart. But having a hungry heart, listening, being where the Lord wants you, still is not enough. Still is not enough. What has to happen? The Lord has to show up. The Lord has to come and open the heart. Notice what it says. The last part of verse 14. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. What what is he speaking of? He's speaking of the gospel. Now we see it focused in that they all start talking no doubt about uh, about Yahweh and the Lord and maybe even about the Messiah the redeemer the promised one and now as the gospel is brought into focus and as the gospel is presented it is Paul giving the gospel and as he shares the gospel what happens the lord opens her heart and she believes that's what's implied that's what's understood Man in his truly spiritual state, in the condition that he is, being a sinner, being totally depraved, he's dead. Right? That that's what scripture teaches that he is separated from God. And what has to happen? God has to step in. God has to do something to help him understand, has to open his heart, open his eyes to understand that's exactly what is going on here. What a sweet picture. Of salvation. Why would I consider this sweet. And so encouraging. Because it allows me to recognize. When I share the gospel with someone. my, My side of the deal. So to speak. My responsibility is to be faithful. With the message. But it is God's work. To change the heart. To open the heart. And to allow someone to truly understand. And that is exactly. What is going on here. That the Lord has opened her heart so that she understands the Gospel and and she understands, yes, I am a sinner. Yes, I am in need of help. And I recognize that You are a holy and righteous God. And that my sin separates me from You. But that Jesus came and He died upon the cross paying the, pun- the penalty, the punishment for sin. And I now trust Him. And trust Him entirely. And how do we know that, that she is indeed saved? You look at the fruit. You look at the results. You look at verse 15 and we see Lydia. And the kind of woman that she is. And yet we're not given exactly what the time frame is. as is to when she had her heart opened, and then when this happened? Did it happen instantly? Was was it a couple hours later? Was it a couple days later? We're we're not certain. But one thing's for sure, that that she is doing some things that reveal that she is indeed the Lord's child now. Look at verse 15. And when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. We, We see two things here. that that reveal that Lydia is changed, that Lydia is a follower of Christ now. First, the the step of obedience, the first step of obedience that that we've seen already in the book of Acts, right? Baptism. This doesn't save her. This is an outward proclamation of an inward reality. This is, yes, I have trusted Christ and now I want everyone to know. I'm going to step forward in obedience. And and notice who is involved in the baptism. Baptism we're given a a little bit more of a picture that it's not just Lydia who gets saved. Right? As it says, her household. That doesn't mean just her family. It's not just blood lines. It it could be speaking of her servants, her business helpers, the ones that work with her. Why is that significant? Because this is going to be the the nucleus, the foundation of the church in Philippi. Christ's church in Philippi. And do you notice that the little nuance of what she says is, as we see that that she's given to hospitality? She says, "If you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house." And then it says, "And she prevailed upon us." This is the idea of urging someone strongly, again and again. It's as if it's implied that Paul and his and his fellow missionary friends, well, you know, you know what? It's okay. We we don't need to stay here. And she's like, "No, no, no, you guys stay here. Look at look at how big my house is. Look at what the Lord has done already. Let let's use this as the branch the branching off point for Christ church here. And you guys can meet here. And that's exactly what happens. This becomes the house church in the church in the house of Lydia. Christ church in Philippi. All because of what? All because of this woman and her willingness to open up her house. This is the second thing that we see with her, that she is given towards hospitality. And, and for me, this, this is a not only a strong encouragement, but a strong admonition. Especially as we consider what time of year we're coming into, right? Thanksgiving is just around the corner. Perhaps the Lord would would encourage us all this morning with this as we look at the life of Lydia to step out of our, out out of our normal zones and to reach out and to bring some into our home, some of our neighbors and invite them to come and spend time or or perhaps someone at church that you don't really know that well yet and yet you've seen them And, and, and this would be an encouragement. Hey, you know what? Would you like to come over and eat at our house? This weekend. Or perhaps as you hear that missionaries are coming. To visit RBC. Perhaps that's what this looks like. That, that you help in, in those ways. That you say hey can. Can you come over to our place for dinner. Or even open up a, a room. In your home. That's the kind of woman that, that Lydia is. That, that's showing the results. And, and why this is so significant is. Is that for a Jewish woman. This would have made sense. Because this is what the, the Jewish people did. That They're all about hospitality, but this is not what a woman like Lydia would be doing normally. This is the work of the Lord in her life, in her heart, changing her, giving her this generous love for others, wanting to be hospitable, wanting to, to reach out to others and love on them practically like that. So so we see God's heart here and Christ's heart in His church that even though they, they were thinking Paul and his gang, oh yes, we are going to meet some man, we're going to share the gospel and this guy's going to get saved and then the whole town is going to get saved because of him. No, they, they recognize. No, the Lord had Lydia at heart and mind when He gave me that vision. And how encouraging. To see that the Lord continues to guide and lead and direct, even in in, in places where perhaps their expectation was something else. So what, what do we do with some of this? Let me give us some points to ponder, some things to consider this week. Consider this, okay, so so Paul and his companions they made the trip from Troas to Macedonia and they and they do it in two days. That's not common. It could take possibly weeks. God indeed is guiding their steps. So so how encouraging to receive such a confirmation. How does God give us confirmation today that we are heading the direction He wants us to go? We've already seen this in the life of Paul. How was he giving confirmation? There's negative confirmation and positive confirmation. Earlier in chapter 16, the way that he was confirming was closing doors, saying, no, you can't go here, you can't go here. And now a wide open door. And He confirms it even more by giving them safe travels and quick travels. How would that look like for you in your life? The Lord closing doors and opening doors. Number two and three. How does the story of Lydia's salvation encourage you to share Christ with others? Recognizing that it's not up to you. That that, that the Lord is the one who opens the heart. That the Lord is the one that allows... Someone to understand the significance of their sin and their need for a Savior. And perhaps I'll give you an opportunity this week to share with, with a Lydia that's just been primed and ready and is just waiting to hear the message. Number three, consider how Lydia desired to be a blessing to others in the way of hospitality. What can you learn from Lydia? How might you be more hospitable? How might I be more hospitable in our families? Let me close our time. Heavenly Father, thank You. Thank You for the testimony in Your Holy Word of how You saved Lydia, of how You worked all these things out, how You you led her from Thyatira all the way to Philippi so that she could hear Your precious good news. Teach us, Lord, to walk before You, to, to be bold, to share You with others, to be hospitable as You would have us to be. And to see you at work and to rejoice in the salvation that you have freely given to us, Lord. Thank you for opening our hearts and allowing us to to trust you and now to walk with you.
0: In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for being with us today. O-R-G. That's www.RanchoBaptistChurch.org Have a great day in the Lord and God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.